Well, good morning again, Oceanside Sanctuary. Welcome back again to our online worship service here on YouTube and Facebook. We gather here every single week to center the life and the teachings, the words, the actions of Jesus. And we have been for the past several weeks going through a series that we've called Planting and Growing and Nurturing, where we're taking a look at the parables of Jesus that have to do with these powerful agricultural metaphors. Somebody plants a seed, somebody grows a, a, a grapevine, somebody tends to a field, and these images somehow speak directly into what it's like for us to live a life of spirituality centered on Jesus. And so today we're going to wrap up this series. Today is our last installment in this teaching series. We're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to ask you to participate a bit today by sharing what you are noticing in this passage. But before we jump into our final parable in this series, I want to, as always, just invite you to pray with me. Let's center our hearts and our minds together before we approach this final parable today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you again for this opportunity for us to come together in this space, wherever we might be in our living rooms, our kitchens, our bedrooms, our front or back porch on this Sunday morning, or if we might happen to be watching some other day or night of the week, we pray that you would still unite us together, that wherever we might be, that we would sense that we're connected not only to you, but to each other as we uh, embark on this journey together to learn from you what it means to be fully human, uh, fully alive, as we are empowered by your goodness and grace. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, we've been going through this series together now for five weeks. This is the sixth and final week. And so before we jump into today's passage, which is in the Gospel of Matthew, I just want to do a little bit of a recap. Over a five-week period, we've taken a look at a variety of different parables. The parable of the seed, the parable of the sower. We've taken a look at the parables that seem to imply that, that God is going to be judging certain people. So we looked at the parable of the wheat and the weeds, or in some Bibles, it's called the wheat and the tares. Last week, we looked at the parable of the wicked tenants. And a couple things I don't want to point out to you before we jump into this next passage. The first is, I want to remind you that these parables we have seen over and over again seem to be primarily about one thing, and that is redefining God's power in some way, shape, or form. Now, today we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 20, I don't want to jump into it just yet, but I want you to take a look at the very first sentence in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. This is, of course, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. It sounds similar to last week, but it's not. It's a different parable. But look at this very first sentence in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. It says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like... That is a phrase that we have seen again and again in this series. We've seen that Jesus often begins these parables by saying, again, I tell you the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like this. And then he goes on to give us these word pictures, these miniature stories that 
at the heart of them tell us something about what Jesus calls God's kingdom or the kingdom of heaven. And I said this to you very early on in this series that this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, essentially refers to God's rulership or God's reign, which we might understand just more simply as God's power. So imagine, of course, a king ruling over a kingdom. What's the one defining feature of a king and the kingdom? Well, it's that the king has authority or power in some way, shape, or form. And I've found, and maybe you've noticed this too, that when we talk about God, when we have conversations about God and worshiping God and what God wants and who God is and how God acts in our lives, that those conversations all have a common denominator. And that common denominator is God's power. How is it that God is impacting us? That is God's power. If we pray to God and ask for somebody to be healed, that is asking God to exert some kind of power in a particularly terrible situation. If we beseech God to change us in some way, what are we asking God to do if not exercise God's power? If we are intervening in prayer for God to make a change in some sort of geopolitical mess, maybe it's what's going on in Afghanistan overseas, what are we doing if not essentially asking God to take God's power in some way and make a change in the world that we would like to see. Jesus' friends and neighbors and followers had the same kind of concerns. They were concerned about the injustices of their lives, the injustices of the world. They were concerned about their illnesses and sicknesses. They were concerned about their poverties, their inability to make ends meet. They were concerned about conflicts, both interpersonal and familial and global or tribal, as it were, in their context. They were concerned about all of these things. And for them, just like for us, to talk about God is to talk about the possibility that something can and should be different. And ultimately, that boils down to the question, what is God's power like? If God wants these situations to be different, then what does it look like when God intervenes in some way and uses God's power to make a change for the better? And so what I have really tried to show you over the past five weeks is that these parables at their heart are really all about Jesus revealing something surprising to us about God's power. And what's surprising over and over again in these parables is that God's power doesn't work the way we think it does. Or maybe a better way to put it would be that God's power doesn't work the way we think it should. And so Jesus, again and again, he uses these images of planting seeds and growing seeds or plants that are overgrown or plants that won't grow despite our best efforts or uh, the wickedness of people who refuse to do the work that they've agreed to do. And so therefore, the landowner is going to respond in a certain way. All of these stories, I think, have at their heart the question, what is God's power really like? And the answers again and again, are surprising. Jesus very often is surprising us 
by saying, I know that you want God to act this way, or you think God should act that way, but in reality, I tell you, God is like this instead. And so today, as we read through this particular parable, I want you to keep that in mind. And as we read through this passage together, I actually want you to hold this question in your mind. What surprises you about this parable? What surprise about how God's power actually works seems to be hidden in this story? Jesus is the master of telling stories that sort of turn our ideas upside down. Take the normal order of the world, take the normal order of our ideas about God and worship and theology and politics and human relationships, and turns them completely on their head. It's what he does over and over again. And he does the same thing, I think, in this parable. So as we read through this, I want you to ask yourself the question, what about this parable is surprising about God's power? Now, if it helps, I want to encourage you actually to grab a sheet of paper and write that question down. In fact, you could just write at the top of the piece of paper the word power. Or if you have your laptop in front of you because you're watching uh, online or your, your iPad or your phone or whatever, pull up your notes app and just write across the top power, maybe with a question mark. What is it about this parable that is surprising about God's power? And then as I read through this parable, I want to encourage you to reflect on the answer to that question. And then I'm going to pause in the middle of our teaching today. I'm going to give you the opportunity to share in the comments on Facebook and YouTube, what surprising thing are you seeing about God's power in this particular parable? So let's read through it together. And as we do, I want to encourage you just to reflect on that question and jot down some of your thoughts. And then I'm going to ask you to share them a little bit in the comments together. So let's jump into the text. It's Matthew chapter 20. Verse 1, it says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them out into his vineyard. And when he went out about 9 o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever's right. So they went. And when he went out again about noon, and again about three o'clock, he did the same thing. And again about five o'clock, he went out and he found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers. Give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. And when those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. And now when the first came, they thought they would also receive more. But each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. 
Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last the same as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now this is a great story. It's a familiar story. It's a story that I think has a tendency to trouble us or agitate our sense of right and wrong and what is good and what is fair. I think it's very likely that if any one of us were those laborers who began at the beginning of the day at nine o'clock in the morning and worked hard all day long in the heat of the sun only to find out that the people who were hired at the end of the day and only worked one hour received a full day's wage. I think I'd probably be envious of that, and I suspect many of you would be too. And so it raises all kinds of questions about whether or not God is fair or unfair. But I want to pause here and remind you of our central question. What does this teach us about how the power of God works? Particularly, how does this reveal that God's power is surprising? in a good way. I want to pause here just for a couple of minutes. We're going to put a timer on the screen, and I want to give you a few minutes to be quiet and to reflect on that question. How is God's power being revealed in a surprising way by this parable? I don't want you to think that there are any wrong answers to this. I want you to just write out what your thoughts are. And then during this reflection time, I want to ask you to pop into the comments And just share what it is that has come to you, what you're learning or what you're seeing, what's sort of being stirred up in you by this story. So we're going to pause now and I'm going to ask you to take a few minutes to reflect on this. And then I'll come back and share with you some of my observations too.
Well, welcome back. I hope that you had a, a fruitful couple of minutes really reflecting on this parable. And what I want to do now is just invite you to go ahead, if you haven't already done it, jump into the comments on YouTube or Facebook and just share a couple of words or even a sentence or two. What is it that you think that this parable is revealing about what is surprising about God and the way that God's power comes into our lives? Here's one of the things that I notice that I think is really interesting about this passage, and that is, of course, at the very end, or towards the end of this particular passage, a very familiar phrase jumps out. In this parable, what we see happening here is Jesus essentially repeating a line that he says to the disciples earlier in his ministry. Verse 15, he says, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? Verse 16 is that familiar phrase. So the last will be first and the first will be last. I think that phrase right there is the key to understanding how God's power is different and surprising than we expect. Because what we would expect in our world, of course, is that those who get to the front of the line first are the people who are served the first. Those who have been working the longest and the hardest are the ones who get paid the most. Those who have been the most loyal for the longest period of time enjoy the most benefits. That is how our world works. Our world is a meritocracy, or at least it is in theory, our sense of inherent justice as humans carries over into our belief that I earn what I get by virtue of the merits that I receive because I have put extra time or extra effort or extra goodness into whatever it is that I've given myself to. That's what we mean, of course, by the word merit. And so, of course, those who worked a full day expect to receive more than those who only worked an hour or two because they see the world as a kind of competition, a competition where those who work the hardest and show up first and work the longest ought to get more than everybody else. But Jesus tells us throughout his ministry that God does something different than that. God often comes along and he overturns the scales. He flips over the tables. He turns everything upside down. Earlier in his ministry, Jesus overheard some of his disciples arguing about who ought to be first in his kingdom, who ought to be at his right hand, so to speak. And in one of these scenes, one of the disciples' mothers even lobbies on her son's behalf that Jesus should put them at his right hand. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for because God's kingdom, God's power, takes those who have been in power and makes them lowly and takes those who are lowly and puts them into power. In other words, God's power comes to us in this world in such a way that the wrongs are made right by God coming in a way that is more generous than anybody could have possibly imagined. Think about it this way. 
One way that God's power is surprising is that God uses generosity to bring about justice. Now that is truly surprising because we tend to think that justice means that people get what they deserve. That's what we all tend to think of as fairness. But one thing that Jesus reveals, and he is very much in line with the ancient Hebrew prophets when he does this, Jesus reveals that the normal order of things in our world, the normal way that life works, the normal meritocracy, where we all get what we deserve and we work hard and the longer we put our time into it, the more we earn and the longer we've been doing it, the higher we go up the ranks, that that normal system, that system where we are given exactly what we have earned is a system that over time tends to produce injustices. Because there are all kinds of reasons why some people can't compete in a pure meritocracy. And so over time, injustices and imbalances tend to perpetuate. And with a little bit more time, some people who are clever or wicked begin to take advantage of those imbalances and create even more wealth and power for themselves. And so we expect God's power to work that same way. We expect God to come to us and reward us according to our merits. But that is not how God works. And this last line, I think, really says it all in verse 15. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? I think the essential thing that Jesus is teaching us about God and God's power in this parable is this crazy, ridiculous, scandalous idea that God uses God's power to be generous, to give generously to those who may not have worked quite as long for whatever reason, to give generously to those who maybe because of circumstances that are beyond their control have ended up on the bottom of the heap to give generously to those who maybe because of hardships or circumstances or outright oppression in their lives have ended up crushed under the weight of the meritocracy of our world. In the midst of those injustices, in the midst of those imbalances, God comes along and gives generously. Like the Apostle Paul says in the letter to the Romans, it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God always seems to be going ahead of us in ways that give to us far beyond we could have possibly imagined. I think that's really what is essentially true about God. That God is not some sort of taskmaster. God is not the ultimate employer in the sky who gives to us exactly what we have earned and no more and no less, but rather God is generous and good and kind, and he uses that generosity to make things right. My questions for you today are simply this. How would your life and your decisions how would your concept of yourself be different 
If you really believed that God is generous, that God is not dealing with you according to what you have earned, God is not dealing with you according to what you have merited, but instead that God has poured God's self out in your life generously, regardless of what you have earned, regardless of what you deserve. My second question is similar to that. If you really believed that God was generous, that God's essential character was generosity, if you really believed that, how would it change the way you treated others in your life? How would it change the way you dealt with your spouse or your children or your friends? How would it change the way that you managed your employees or competed with your coworkers? How would it change the way that you approached your studies at school if you believed that the world was essentially a good place filled with the goodness and the grace and the generosity of a God who uses God's power to make things right. That's all I have for you today. I hope this series has been uh, thought-provoking for you. I hope that it has driven you to go back to some of these stories and wrestle with them a little bit more. I hope that it has opened up some new possibilities for how you think about God and how you engage with others in the world today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you again for today, for this space for us to gather and to learn, to read these words uh, from these parables that are so rich and so full of detail that we haven't been able to visit everything uh, that is in them, but we are so in awe of how when we come before these stories, you have a tendency to shake us up, to stir up our hearts and to prompt us to grow into people who are a little bit closer to you, who perhaps resemble your character a bit more. We pray that you would make that true in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning, everyone. We hope you enjoyed our service today. We've got a few couple quick announcements before you head off. The first is if you're new, as always, we'd love to connect with you. Go ahead and snap a little picture of that QR code. Visit our website at oceansidesanctuary.org contact. We'd love to get to know you. We'd love to get in touch. Next up, our Roots Online class is happening on September 1st, 8th, and the 15th starting at 6.30 p.m. on Zoom. So this is basically the class where if you're new or if you want a refresher on what we value, what we practice here, really just the history of our church, then this is the class for you. So you can head on over to oceansidesanctuary.org calendar to find out more and sign up for that class. Three Wednesdays in a row starting September 1st. After that, our next big class we have coming up, which this is a big announcement. I'm really excited about this. It's called No Greater Love, Learning Anti-Racist Relationships. So we have had a team working on this class, this curriculum for a very long time. So essentially, this is a safe space online to identify ways in which white supremacy has shaped false assumptions about black Americans. 
So you're gonna be engaging with videos, uh, music, liturgy, books, all kinds of stuff that's gonna help you deepen your empathy and discover how white people have been passive and or intentionally indifferent to racial inequalities. So this is a huge, huge program that we're launching for the first time. We really, really hope that you join us. Space is limited, so you need to RSVP by September 12th. It starts on September 14th, and it's happening every Tuesday for six weeks in a row, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Next is our book club. Our book club happens every Thursday of the month, every first Thursday of the month. And our next book is The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner. Now, I've already started reading this book. It's an amazing book. Uh, it really explores sort of the depths of who you are and how that's related to God. And that when we get to know ourselves, we get to know God better. When we get to know God, we get to know ourselves better. So this is a really great book to help you uncover maybe that false self right, that we all struggle with and how to find your uniqueness in Christ. So that is September, uh, when is that? Second at 6.30 p.m. Again, the first Thursday of every month, we have a new book. So join us for that book club. And last, if you'd like to support our mission, we are a 501c3 nonprofit and we rely on the gifts and donations of people just like you. So you can head on over to our website at OceansideSanctuary.org slash give, where you can make a monthly donation, a one-time donation, whatever you're able to do to help us continue to support our mission here in Oceanside. So we hope you enjoy this service. We hope you have a beautiful week. We hope you're staying safe, and we'll see you soon. Right here next week on Facebook and YouTube. Peace, everyone. God bless.